Michelle Owen be joining us from the state, uh, from the, I don't see that all the time, the Springfield Business Journal. I don't want to say there the State Business Journal. It's like, whatever. Uh, Michelle, it's great to talk to you. And I, I, this has been the topic du jour, definitely, has been video gaming. And, of course, we saw the city council make some moves toward that, uh, you know, as far as the licensing goes. But uh, there, there are a lot of people that are making a lot of money off video gaming, that's for sure. Absolutely. You know, and, and uh, the bars and restaurants, of course, took a big hit in the spring when they were shut down, not only from food and drink sales, but from gaming, which has turned out to be a pretty significant source of revenue for a lot of these places. But uh, the good news, at least from an economic standpoint, is that gaming seems to be bouncing back for whatever reason. Despite the economic downturn overall, uh, people are betting more. And the most recent statistics uh, statewide are from July. But there was $107 million more uh, wagered in July of this year on video gaming than there was July of last year. So that means more money for the, the restaurants and bars as well as they take their share as well as for the city of Springfield. Yeah, that's significant, too, because I'm, I'm trying to remember it was right around the end of June, early July. I can't remember when they turned the machines back on. It was really close to, you know, the, the, it might have been a couple of days into July, if I remember right. It might have been July 2nd or something. So there, there, there might have been a day or two where there weren't any video gaming and they were still up, you know, significantly. That's, you know, I'll double check that. But, you know, it may have been earlier than that. I don't know. But I, but I know they were trying for like late June when they and then there was a delay in that. And I don't know if it spilled into July or not. But, yeah, that's very significant, you know, that. that well, and, and maybe it was pent up demand. I mean, it'll be interesting to see if those statistics bear out, you know, for uh, going into August, September, October as well, if the if the trend continues. But definitely the first month that it came back as you said there was a huge demand yeah exactly i mean they they were uh, um basically you know, there's been a lot of uh, situation with the with the Illinois Gaming Commission, as we were talking about, you know, changing the rules a little bit on uh, whether or not the gaming operators can uh, to supplement the LEs or, or the licensed establishments, as they use that, for uh, uh, some of the fees that they pay to municipalities. And that's kind of what the City Council's Committee of the Whole meeting last night was about, is getting that into writing where they actually do split the fee rather than having the, the licensed establishment have to pay the whole 250 for some of them it's significant because everybody's got six i think right they they, that's a little right because initially five and then they tweaked it now they're allowed to have six and you know interestingly springfield actually has more video gambling terminals than any other city in the state we have uh just over 700 so yeah for whatever reason it's it's a huge thing here and they're all all doing a brisk business i mean we uh i i've not seen any recent numbers as far as gambling per capita but the last one i saw was something like 80 Three bucks per month for every man, woman, and child in Sangam and County wow. gambled. You know, I that that was a while ago, though. I don't know if that's changed a little bit or not. But wow, it, it's it, it's very significant. It's a big business here in town, and you know that's a you know I, I, as we delve through, we'll probably look at the other end of that too. You know what what's happening with addicted gamblers, and you know that that nature. Right, too, the social costs. Yeah, sure. exactly for sure. Anyway, uh, we we got to the the uh, um, public market, and I saw that you know uh, that that was basically passed by the commission last night. Uh, the southwest corner of uh, Adams and you know and Adams and Fourth, and they've become a tight knit group. The Adams family over there, you know, they, they they've had, they've had fun with that. And there's a new market that's going to go with a rooftop bar too. 
Yeah, yeah. The managing partner is uh, David Lee. A lot of folks know him because he's been involved in DSI pretty heavily the last couple of years. He was the one sort of leading that momentum on Main Street program, reaching out to young investors and trying to help people that had a concept or an idea turn it into an actual business model. So, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting. Now he's, he's doing this himself. Uh, he's taken this building that's been vacant, you know, for decades, really. Uh, that was a former bank there at 322 East Adams. Uh, it's, it's pretty rough. It's been largely gutted inside. They had a walkthrough back in July when they first, uh, first announced this project, and I had a chance to go over and, and see it. Uh, so he's, he's definitely got a vision, I'll say that. Uh, but, yes, they're envisioning this kind of food hall concept where almost like a food court that you would see in, in a mall, uh, except, of course, this is a, a different type of setup. I think they're going to have up to seven different restaurants, rooftop bar, you know, lots of uh, local vendors, farm-to-table, Illinois wines, craft, uh, craft beers, things like that. So it, it would certainly be a wonderful addition to uh, to downtown Springfield if they can figure out how to put all the financing together for it. Yeah, I was just wondering, too, how high is that uh, uh, building? It looked like it was only a couple stories or so, you know, for a rooftop bar. You know, I mean, is it high enough to make that kind of significant and give yourself a good view of the city? Well, you're you're right. It's it's not terribly high. We're not talking about the Hilton or anything, but uh, but because of where it is, you actually have a view of both state capitals. So it's a little unique in that sense. Oh, okay, all right. Well, that's cool. And and yeah. and, and you said they went through, and the building has gutted itself. It's been sitting empty for about thirty years, but uh, but the bones are good, as they say. It is very solid. In fact, one thing, uh, there's there's the old vault, which is still in there, and they were kind of debating, you know, what to do with that. That's an interesting feature. If, if you try to build around it and keep a little historical significance there, obviously not easy to get rid of. Uh, so maybe they'll find a way to incorporate that into the decor somehow. <laughs> yeah, maybe they can have some kind of one of those, uh, you know, what, what Himalayan salt chambers or something like that. You know, <laughs> right, there you the, go. By work in the vault, something like that. Michelle Owen B is with us from the Springfield Business Journal as we do some biz bites on WMAY this morning. And, uh, well, uh, Barry Seidemann is back in the news here. Of course, he's trying to get uh, Ashley Furniture opened in the old uh, Barney's there, which actually was the old Jewel Osco uh, right there on, uh, on uh, Wabash and Chatham Road, and uh, it's a little bit of a delay, but he's made the best of a bad situation, huh? Yeah, pretty much. We talked with Barry a few months back. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of interesting. The Barney's Furniture had closed, of course, in the spring along with everything else, and when they reopened June 1st, uh, they reopened and immediately started a going-out-of-business sale, but I had talked to Barry at the time, and he said, you know, it actually doesn't have anything to do with COVID. This was in the works for a long time. It was just kind of a coincidence that uh, that the shutdown delayed their plans to be able to have the, the going-out-of-business and liquidate the inventory. But, of course, Barry and, and his family already own the uh, the Ashley Furniture Stores in, in town, um, and they had plans to convert Barney's into an Ashley Outlet store, more comparable to, let's say, an Ikea where you get the, uh, the ready-to-assemble furniture and, and things like that, you know, in the price sure. point for folks that are just starting out. Um, and so they had originally hoped to have the Ashley Outlet store open by November 1st, but Barry says there's been a little bit of a pause on that um, because they are having all these supply chain issues now related to the pandemic. We know other types of businesses, you know, bikes are in big demand and pools and hot tubs and all, all kinds of things for the home. 
Um, so he says they don't want to reopen until they make sure they can get enough inventory. So right now they're doing kind of a pop-up concept. They've got a mattress store in there, but they're uh, shooting for January of, of 2021 to be open as the Ashley Outlet store. All right, got it. So, uh, but again, in the meantime, you can probably get a good deal on the mattress there, huh? Yes, there you go. So they're still using a, a portion of the building, uh, just just not the uh, original concept just yet. All right, Carpe Diem CrossFit, breaking ground on the west side of Springfield. This sounds exciting. Yeah, yeah, this is something that uh, is going to be in today's Biz Bites. Uh, but, yeah, this is out on Alex Boulevard, which is pretty far west, out there uh, back by Systemax, if you can picture it. And uh, it's two different couples that are involved in this, Matt and Megan Saxma, who are the owners of Redefine Healthcare. We actually uh, had an article about Matt just a few months ago in our in our healthcare issue and kind of about his rather unique practice. And then Carl Bax, uh, another small business owner in town, owns KB Computer Consulting, and his wife, Sean. Uh, they're both fitness enthusiasts as well, and, and they've been friends for a number of years and came up with this idea to uh, to build their own fit club facility. So 10,000 square feet. It is under construction right now. They're shooting for a, a mid-January opening. Um, I actually just chatted with Matt yesterday, and he was saying, you know, a lot of people, when they hear CrossFit, you kind of think of the super athlete and like, oh, my gosh, I could never do that. Uh, but they're really targeting what, what he calls functional fitness. So it could be everything from, you know, the student athlete looking to do some conditioning to, you know, grandma wants to be able to get up off the floor if she falls. So he said they're really targeting this to a wide range, all ages, all ability levels, um, you know, doesn't have to be the the person that runs a triathlon on the weekends. Sure, if I understand it right, you know, with the with the system of uh, co- of, of uh, CrossFit, it basically strengthens your core, and 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 the idea is to strengthen the core and then to build out from there. And uh, you know, that I've known a lot of runners that have tried that and been uh, totally gassed by it. You know, because it's like it's yeah. a whole body thing, not just the running thing. So I understand, you know, but this is kind of one of those whole body core things, and I can see where that could help. And and I think that. That's a good point you bring up. A lot of people think CrossFit is just for athletes or people that want to run a run a marathon or do do a triathlon or something like that. And it, it's really not. Like you said, it can help grandma get up if she falls. Yeah, as you said, just that core strength and uh, and something for everybody. And the other thing, kind of interesting in my conversation with Matt, I, I learned something new. Um, you know, I asked him why they had decided to do new construction. As, as everybody knows, there's an awful lot of vacant space around town and unfortunately probably more commercial space becoming available. And he said they did look at everything that was uh, that was currently on the market and just couldn't really find anything that, that fit their needs. Um, but he said that space out west is actually in an enterprise zone. So they were able to get some uh, some tax incentives and some other things that made it more financially feasible for them to do new construction. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, when you look at the gym concept, I, when we built uh, Gold's Gym out there, and it has now become the Salvation Army Center, there really wasn't anything more you could do with that, at least from a retail standpoint, because you really need some open areas, big floor plans, and th- places to move around. And your basic strip center or old building isn't going to be able to really handle that as well as a new construction, I would think, you know, in the fitness world. Right, right. And for them, just looking at the cost of modifying an existing building uh, versus being able to build new, you've got expenses either way. And, and he said they just wanted to make sure they had a facility that could accommodate everything they they had in mind and not have to cut any corners. All right. Read all about it in the Springfield Business Journal and Biz Bites. How can people get both? 
Well, you can go to our website, springfieldbusinessjournal.com, and get signed up for BizBytes. It's free. It comes to your inbox every Wednesday afternoon with a roundup of what's happening around town. And, of course, you can also uh, sign up for the print edition if you'd like to get that delivered to your home or office. Read that cover to cover. Good stories this month and that, too, so make sure you check that out. Michelle, as always, thank you so much. Thanks, Chris.